0: Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. This is episode 76 featuring Kaya Enos. Kaya is a senior on the University of Maine softball team. This was the first ever in-person interview for the Monkey Mind podcast and it was a ton of fun to record and we really hope you enjoy it. But before we get to today's episode, we have a couple announcements and a quick word from our sponsor. For those who don't know, our merchandise shop is up. We have hoodies, beanies, and snapbacks, so if you're interested in picking up any Monkey Mind merch, then head over to monkeymindathletes.com backslash merchandise. That's monkeymindathletes.com backslash merchandise. Also, be sure to throw us a follow on our Instagram to stay up to date with new episode releases and much, much more. Our Instagram handle is at monkeymindathletes. That's at monkeymindathletes. And finally, if you want to watch this episode, check it out on our YouTube channel. The link will be in the podcast notes below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD, Inc. Daily Dose CBD, Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose meets an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at com. All right, let's get started. Cool. All right, yeah, first uh, ever in-person podcast. I'm super fired up about this. Thank you. We have Kaya Enos on today. Hi. <laughs> yeah, welcome on. Um, yeah, tell everybody about yourself, who you are, and your sports background, and just about you, know, you in general.
1: Cool. Okay. Um, so as you said, I'm Kaya Enos. Um, I play softball here at the University of Maine. Um, I'm a senior now, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Yeah, goes by quick. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. But um, I'm from Mass, uh, just about 40 minutes south of Boston. Um, I've been playing softball ever since I can remember. Um, and I'm on here today to just kind of talk about my story, my journey, and um, hopefully reach a different level of, of people other than myself. So...
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm excited to, you know, kind of dive into it all, and um, I remember you mentioned that in your story on Larry Mahoney's story on uh, Bangor Daily News that, you know, that someone, I think it was Link Kootz said that you showed up and up about it, was it? Yeah. yeah. and be public about it because it could help a lot of people, and that's kind of the, you know, reason for this platform is to help those who are struggling in silence, so I'm happy you said that.
1: Yeah, it, um, it definitely took a lot out of me. I remember one day after practice, um, Mike Kootz, who he just recently left, but um he had coached me for like the last three years here and he had asked me, you know, if I would write something. I was like, What do you mean, coach? Like <laughs> you mean write something. Yeah. Um, so he had me like write something up, just kind of talking about a quick little summary of my story, just a little bit of breakdown. Um mm-hmm. and at first I was kinda apprehensive about it, rightfully so, because I was like, Wow, like this is gonna require me to be really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never really like opened up about it, like a lot of my teammates don't really even know, a lot of my parents don't even know, like, um, and you know, the people who have helped me the most, so say like my athletic trainer, Orla, she's awesome. Um, She didn't even know some of the stuff that I threw in there, so it kind of caught everybody off guard, caught myself off guard, but um, I really wanted to do it, not only for others, but I think that it was really beneficial kind of in my own healing, and it still is, and that's part of why I'm here today as well. Because um, I think that, you know, talking about it almost makes it a bit more factual, for lack of a better term, and less, um, like, traumatic in a way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my goal is to just kind of get it out
0: there and see that it can affect
1: more people than I think. So Yeah,
0: yeah. well, that that is the case typically. So, even people who don't ever come out and say it to you personally, you still do affect people positively by coming out with this mm-hmm. stuff and being vulnerable. So um yeah let's uh dive into the you know the nitty-gritty of it and into your right. story and if yeah <laughs> just uh kind of tell everybody kind of the stuff that you've gone through or um the things that you suffer with and take it from there
1: cool okay so I my freshman year here struggled super bad just kind of on the field off the field um I wasn't going to class I You know, I wasn't really hanging out with my friends unless it was going out to party. I didn't want to go to practice. I didn't want to lift. I didn't want to do anything. Um, I just kind of wanted to lay in bed. And after a while, um, you know, I'd gotten in trouble a couple times. I got suspended. Um, You know, I was having trouble, like, kind of gelling with my coach, which I had had a really, really good relationship with him prior um, to me kind of having all these issues, um, which eventually picked back up. But... um, I remember one day I was sitting in class. I was in statistics class, which I think now is called something else, but it used to be Little Hall. Um, and I just couldn't sit there anymore and I just started crying and I was like, wow, like I gotta, I gotta get up and I gotta go. Um, I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, there's something wrong. Like I, I this isn't me, I don't know who I am right now. Um, so I got up and I immediately went and talked to my athletic trainer who's still here, Orla, Um, and she was like, all right, like, I don't know what we're gonna do from here, but we're gonna try to figure something out. So I, we introduced the whole testing thing. So I tried to look into getting tested for like learning disabilities or um, anything like that, but it didn't really go into effect until my sophomore year. So um, my sophomore year, I think around October, actually probably around this time, um, my sophomore year, I went and saw a neuropsychologist. So I've had a pleasure of <laughs> concussions, mm-hmm. which kind of sparked the um, like learning disability thing and kind of like why I couldn't focus in class or why I just couldn't sit there or focus on anything at practice for a long amount of time. Um, so I we went and saw him. That was really extensive. I saw him, I think, four times, and it was like four hours each time. Like, it is a lot, but... Um, he was actually really cool, and it basically, like the first time I had met with him was just a breakdown of like my life story <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> from like birth to then, um, which was interesting because it was it's just really interesting how, like me just speaking on you know my life or like just things that I did, like habitually or whatever it was, um kind of led him to diagnose me with what he did. So I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, I was also diagnosed with ADHD, which I had never been diagnosed with as a kid. Um, I don't know, I guess he kind of theorized that it had come about from my concussions, which is really interesting. Um, I was also diagnosed with a substance abuse disorder for alcohol. So at the time, it was only alcohol. Um, and then eventually moved on to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a I. I don't even know if it's like a learning disability, but I literally just needed more time in class, just more time for me to process stuff. So I started recording lectures and going back and watching them, or listening to them, and writing my notes off of that. So little things like that. But um, that's kind of when I found out, like, all right, this is this is like my first step to uh, like getting help. You know, mm-hmm. I finally know, for lack of a term, like what's wrong with me. Yep. Um, so yeah, that kind of kickstarted um, me getting into therapy, me kind of asking for help, knowing what I needed. Because um, I had been to, you know, I've tried to go to therapy plenty of times. Like my parents always pushed me into it or whether it was someone who would just come from, you know, the union to talk to athletes. But my biggest thing was um, I wanted to learn how I could kind of maneuver and work around the things that I was struggling with and not just speak to someone about them. Um, cause that's, I think a big part of like what was killing me <laughs> was just constantly talking about them or trying to talk about them and as difficult as it was, but I really needed to figure out how I could move past them. So,
0: yeah. Well, that's interesting. So as far as what you've been diagnosed with, um, the borderline personality disorder, what is your life like from your perspective having that? So what did they, like, what's the diagnosis when they tell you you have this? Okay. Well, what does that mean? Like, what did they tell you?
1: Okay. So I first, I freaked out. <laughs> uh-huh. So I first freaked out because I really thought that it like, have you ever seen the movie split? Yeah, of okay, course. So I like freaked out and I yep. was like, Oh my gosh, is that me? Like, yeah. Do I have like multiple personalities yep. that like, I just don't know about. So it's similar, but on a different like spectrum. So it's like lower, I guess on the spectrum of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I tend to be very black and white. Like, I don't really see a gray scale, um, and that's, you know, thought-wise, process-wise, kind of, like, emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I'm sure in sports, like, especially in softball, it's super tough to kind of, like, bounce back from something because it's, like, next pitch, we're on go, right? Yep. So um, that's – it presented itself crazy in that. Um, let's see.
0: How did it present it in softball? I mean, I oh can just – like, so, like, for me, for giving my assumption first, mm-hmm. I'm saying, like – If you make a good play, you're right in that, and it's going to be a great game. However, on the flip side, the second you make a bad play or have an error, you're done. Oh, yeah. Like, you're done for the night, and maybe potentially the rest of the week or next night. You know what I mean? Like, is that how it is? It
1: was super hard to, like, learn how to reset myself, Mm -hmm. right? So, and I know that that's something common, like, with even a lot of my teammates, off-of-players, athletes in general, right? Um, to kind of be able to bounce back from that immediate play or whether it's negative or positive. But yeah, it was like I would, you know, ride that wave of great. And then as soon as it was like bad play or negative thought or whatever it was, um, I was clocked out. Mm-hmm. So same thing happens off the field, like emotionally. So um, this thing happens a lot with people who have borderline personality disorder or, you know, mental illness in general um, it's called dissociating. So I, it's, it's actually kind of weird. <laughs> um, but a lot of the times, like I'll have like a great thought, I'm just kind of minding my business. Um, and I'll kind of zone out for a little bit. And then in that zoning out, little do I know my emotions are like super kind of changing. It's, it's, it's an odd, really odd feeling. And for a really long time, I didn't know what it was. Um, and I just thought that it was, I was kind of thinking about stuff like when my mom was working and whatnot, but, um, Another thing that I learned, I learned a lot in therapy about like why I do certain things the way that I do, which is interesting and scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, so that um, is a big one. The whole black or white thing kind of not being able to um, revert back to that initial place of like, okay, like I'm good. Um, I personally am someone who like isolates myself a lot. Um, I don't really like to talk about like what I get going on, which is kind of why I think it took me so long to get help. Um, and kind of be vulnerable and ask. Um, trying to think of some other things that are like telltale, like that's my borderline person Oh, I tend to get super like overstimulated, I would say. So um, I become really rigid. So when I get in that kind of like that gray you know the no gray scale, that black or white. So if we're talking about you know, black is this like negative energy that's like upon me. So when I get in that, I stay in it and I can't really figure out how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But in that state, like it seems to be that everything bothers me or like, um, I have to be alone or I'm super hard on myself or any outside factor just affects me like so much more than it should, I think. Um, and, and, you know, same thing when I'm in this great, like if we're talking about white is this great, awesome, like happy state. Um, I'm, like, good with everything. I'm willing to do anything for everyone or uh, drop whatever I'm doing to, you know, just kind of be happy um, or whatever it is. But it's, yeah, It every single day kind of as I go, um, I learn more about, like, what it is and, and how it affects me and how it presents itself in me personally. Because um, if you think about borderline personality disorder truthfully, it's something that I, for a really long time, was like, well, doesn't everybody have this? Um, because, you know what I mean, a lot of people are black or white. A lot of people have time kind of bouncing back, um, things like that. But it's at a heightened level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which I never really thought about. Um, and a lot of it has to do with trauma. So a lot of it presents itself like a little bit younger. And the thing is, I am I know that it presented itself a lot younger than I I chose to get help for it, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting because then I look back on things that like in high school, um, where I was like, wow, like that definitely was a thing. So, um, I know in high school for me, like I tend to be someone who like was very attachment ish, whether it was friends, relationships, um, whatever it was, like I immediately attached and that's what I had to feed off of. And it was like something connected to, um, like this, this fear of being like abandoned for some reason um so from my understanding it comes a lot from kind of like how I grew up my parents relationship um how I dealt with that um so my parents split up when I was like six or so um and I'm an only child so I kind of took a lot to deal with it on my own um and I lived with my mom ever since then just my mom had a tough relationship with my dad but I would say that that's kind of how I was like, wow, okay, I guess this all makes sense now and all connects, <laughs> and brought me to, you know, where I was kind of sitting there like, wow, I have borderline personality disorder. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, I think it's funny you mentioned a lot of, like, interesting things because a lot of people, especially people that we've had on this podcast, it took them a while to come to the realization that they had something that they needed to address. But when they do that, which is a big step, a scary step, one that makes you really vulnerable, look deep down, it's hard – but once you do that and get past that initial threshold, then you're able to realize, okay, this is what I have. Yeah, and sure. this is how I address it, how I cope, seek therapy if that's the mm-hmm, case. For sure. And then you can begin, I guess, the recovery process or just the process into leading a normal life right. within what you have. And yeah. like you said about, you know, I thought everyone had this. This is just heightened for me. Like, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think everyone's on the spectrum right. with some sort of, I guess, right. um, thing that they deal with. Right. You know, it's just some people it's more anxiousness, some people it's more depressive episodes, Mm -hmm. some people it's borderline personality, ADHD, like all that. That's why it's like this whole mental illness stuff, quote unquote, I I don't like to call it that because illness sounds like you're just down and out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, (laughs) it it. it seems kind of negative. But like dealing with this stuff, it's just normal. Right. Everyone has it to some degree and for something else. Mm -hmm. And that's like when people point the finger, like, oh, like you're crazy. You're ca- no, I just yeah. deal with something a little maybe a little bit different that right. bothers me that doesn't bother you, meanwhile, vice versa. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that I think that was like the the one of the biggest and craziest things about it was like, I was like, okay, now I know, right? So it was like I'd spent so much time, especially in my freshman year and, and a lot actually in my senior year, kind of figuring out like who am I? Like who do I want to be and and I was really confused cuz I was like what what is what is it that's making me feel like I'm not becoming who I want to be so I remember saying to my coach all the time you know coach like I I know who I want to be really bad like I know who this girl is like I know exactly what she looks like I know exactly how she thinks and exactly how she goes about her everyday life but I can't really figure out how I can I can achieve her I can't really figure out how I can get to her yet um so I think kind of figuring all that stuff out was a really big step to, all right, like, this is what I have to do now. So it's now for me, right? So like you said, it's different for everybody. So wherever you are, wherever you stand, that road to kind of healing, that road to, um, you know, understanding, okay, what can I do as my own person? How can those around me help me? Um, So, like, for me, it was, you know, getting therapy and um, just being really, really vulnerable, um, especially we're in, like, in our team setting, right? So I'm with... 19 other girls who I'm with constantly mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who know me like the back of their hand, right? So they knew stuff was going on. They, um, you know, tried to kind of ask me, you know, are you all right? And I was always like, so, yep, yep, I'm fine. Um, so being really vulnerable with them because I, that was a really big part of my struggle too. It was like these are girls who, you know, give their all every day for me on the field, in the weight room. Um, you know, whatever I needed, they always came. And I was like, how can I help them? Because all I was doing at one point was was shutting them out because I didn't know how to let them help me. Um, And that same thing with my coaches, right? So I had a pretty tough relationship with Mike um, when he was here at first. And I think a lot of it kind of came from he served as this really, really big kind of dad figure for a lot of us. Um, And I think some girls liked it a lot because, right, so that's what they're used to. They've had, like, that father figure and, um, they respected it and they enjoyed it and it was comforting to them. For me, it seems to be very uncomfortable. And he never made it, like, uncomfortable, but just for me personally, right? So, like, I just haven't had a great relationship with my dad. So when he exemplified, like, wow, like, this is things that, like, these are things that I would want my dad to do or, like, the way that he, like, looked out for each and every one of us, like, we were his own kids, um... Kind of made me uncomfortable, but I was like, "Wow, maybe, maybe I should give into this. Maybe this is part of me, you know, learning and whatnot." So, he played a really, really big role in, in forcing me to be vulnerable. It's something that he preached, you know, from the moment that I started getting recruited to play here, um, from the moment that I stepped foot on this campus, and from the moment that he left, and, and still now. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I know you're saying I kind of can understand what that feeling may be like. I mean, my parents have a good relationship, but I can understand for someone who maybe didn't have that, it'd be uncomfortable when it comes from someone who you're not related to. So, um, but it's funny, like as a teammate, you could see like maybe your reactions toward, you know, why is Kaya not like so welcoming of this, but you have to understand too, that everybody has a story and every, you may not know the full story. So you have to just be respectful of people's reactions, but that's why it's important that we kind of just, you know, can understand and be you know respectful of each other and, but that's when we also be you know open and say hey like this has bothered me for X amount of reason and then right. you can go on and move forward with it and um, it kind of helps tackle on the rest of the stuff that you're going through. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about softball mental health and how athletics can play a role both positively and negatively, yeah. um, and then tie it into kind of the environment that we're in with college athletics and stuff. And I understand that you mentioned yeah. that. With the whole alcohol use problem, that's something that I definitely struggled with here for sure. Um, how did softball play a role in your mental health positively and negatively? Okay,
1: so I am um, obviously right. So like when you come here, probably because you love the game, right? So you're committing to a sport that you love that you've most people have been playing for, for a really long time. So um, my love for the game was so low. <laughs> Um, I remember coach asking me one day, it was, I think one of the days that I, like the day before I had gotten suspended and, and coach was like, I'm going to ask you right now, like, what's your level of commitment to the game? And I was like, truthfully, probably five or six. Um, and like to hear those words kind of come out of my mouth, I was like, wow, like this is, this is bad. Um, and because it was such a transition to, um, you know, a big commitment, right? So like, this is our life, like being an athlete, a student athlete, it's your life. So, um, and for lack of a better term, it's a job, right? So this is what you do. You wake up every day, you function moving, um, with practice, you're around your teammates all the time. You're going to meetings, you're going to class to make sure that you grade report, the you know, the great grades and whatnot, mm-hmm. you got to keep your GPA up and all that stuff. So I just realized immediately that I had just lost my love for the game. So I didn't want to go to practice, and when I was at practice, I was miserable, and I was checking the time every five minutes, and I, um, you know, and I would come back to my room and and ask my roommate, like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe we have practice right now, and she'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, you're not excited? And I'd be like, no, like, I was miserable. I didn't want to go. Um, I didn't even want to do anything related with softball, (laughs) Um, but it kind of was odd in a sense, because I didn't have it as an outlet anymore, right? So, I think for a lot of athletes, whether you're, you know, a college athlete, whether you're a student athlete, whatever it is, we, you know, we play sports in general. Like, it becomes an outlet, right? So, I lost that outlet. So then, I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I didn't love the game. And then the one place that I had felt comfortable, the one place that I could truly be who, like, I thought I was as a person, was was gone. So. I didn't really know how to deal with that because I was like, this is all I've ever worked for, right? (laughs) Like, from such a young age, like, I've always told myself, I want to play Division I softball. I want to go somewhere big. I want to, you know, leave a mark somewhere. And I had realized pretty quickly that I wasn't doing that at all, and I was doing the complete opposite. Um, And I was letting a lot of people down other than myself, right? So, you know, your coaches, they have expectations of you just like your teammates do, just like you have yourself. Um, And all I could think about was, like, how am I gonna let this go, right? So, of course, I had contemplated quitting. I had thought about just up and leaving. Like, I had almost had no choice, basically, because I was straight up told, like, if you don't get your shit together, like, you're gonna, get, you're gonna be thrown off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it definitely was tough in the sense that um, I lost that outlet, but I think a big part of me needing to find my love for the game again was to have that outlet back um, and again, it still is like a constant battle of like, it's mentally exhausting because now I've had to find new ways and kind of new processes to whether it's dig myself out of like a little bit of a hole after a bad play or, um, you know, if I'm not in a good spot, or I'm having a tough day, like to get up and go to practice and be energetic and, um, hold my teammates accountable and have them hold me accountable and work the hardest to my potential. Um, and negatively, I think that it can kind of get lost in, in the whole outlet thing, right? So, like, we always say, like, oh, it's an outlet. Oh, it's an outlet. But, like, at one point, it did become a negative outlet. Like, I know, like, my sophomore year and into, more so into my junior year, um, I was just overworking myself because it was, like, the only place that I was free-minded, right? So it was, you know, I was lifting or I was hitting balls up the tee, and, and that was the only thing that I could think about right then, which was great. But then it's like I would leave and I was like, wow, all right, so what do I do now? Because I'm so miserable. <laughs> so um, that I feel like for me was how it kind of negatively affected me in a way. And it put so much more pressure on myself because, again, you got, you know, for us, 20 other people who you're working with constantly who who need you day in, and day out to listen to them, to work with them, to trust um, and that was a big thing too. Was like I had no trust in any of my teammates and no trust in me, especially my coach. Like that's why I didn't play in the very beginning of my freshman year because he didn't trust me enough to put me on the field. Um, so I think that it it took a lot out of me more than I thought mm-hmm. um, to just get stable on the field and make it a positive environment again, but rework it into a positive environment. So
0: yeah. That's uh that's the thing with college athletics. It does become a job, and they do tell you that. But um, experiencing it's a different thing, and oh, yeah. that's why I think my piece of advice to, you know, now being on the coaching staff here with the hockey team, as someone who did struggle with, you know, that balance of everything, um, it's important to just make sure you're finding that structure, finding your balance, and you know, as far as like what I mentioned with the alcohol use stuff, it's an easy outlet when you don't have your outlet or your positive outlet that yeah. once was your sport. Is not so much there anymore because it's going to happen. You're just there's going to be ups and downs, and mm-hmm. life gets hard, and you have to deal with that stuff. But um, my one suggestion is from someone who used out calls an outlet with partying and stuff. It's easy, you know. But the other way you got to look at it is, you know, nothing that ever is worth it comes from being easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're in those tough places, being a you know athlete in the collegiate level, um, the one thing I would suggest to the next crew coming in is just to find find the you know the purpose in that hard and find the you know the strength to you know just push through the the shitty days you yeah. know what I mean and in the, in the shitty seasons like there were yeah. seasons where I was getting scratched for a month and a half and it's like I felt like I wasn't part of the team so the only way yeah. I felt part of the team was drinking at the hockey house and, like right. going to parties and it's yeah. like it, I mean I just don't think that I approached that the right way right. I got way too drunk oh, yeah. and I'm sure we all can relate to that at some yeah. point so mm-hmm. it's like don't succumb to those pressures or don't succumb to the, yourself just kind of giving in that way and you know find yourself doing the extra stuff at the field or in the weight room and um just really push through those times because you know that just makes for a better story than just someone who you know it was just like oh yeah it's a shitty time i'm just gonna go out and party and drink right. and stuff and, and it's so um, easy
1: like you said to do that
0: <laughs> exactly and i think so a lot of easy. people can relate to that um because it's an environment where you can easily hide in that but it's uh pretty detrimental to not just your athletic career but your physical health as a person. Right. So um definitely not the answer. And um, but yeah, I'm sure everyone who's been, you know, kind of in that hole can kind of agree that, you know, it's oh, yeah. just better to stay away because yeah. it's, it's a shit feeling.
1: It's awful. It literally is like it was like I was like on a cycle. It was so bad. So like we would practice on Saturday mornings. I would get out of practice, nap all the way until like probably seven o'clock, get up, shower, and then I was ready I was going out like I was in my zone like mm-hmm. and it was a repeated cycle every single weekend um and then I would wake up on Sunday be miserable like I was I was miserable I didn't get out of bed until like four and then I was like oh I got shit to do um but like you said it, it it's so easy right so like that's all they say oh, I don't want to say they say that like college all about drinking but um like the environment right so like everyone's drinking around you and um it's this social thing which like we kind of tie in or like I know we talk about it a lot, like in meetings and stuff, how like, whether it's you lose a game or you win a game, like immediate celebration, it's like, okay, let's go and drink. And like you said, like, I found kind of comfort in the whole, like, this is where I felt together with my team, right? Because I wasn't gelling with them on the field. I couldn't really connect with anybody off the field to talk about them enough about this stuff. Um, So it was like, well, let me just go get drunk with my teammates, because it seems like the easy thing to do. And, And, you know, when I was drunk, it was like this blur of, all right, well, like I'm here. And this is all great, but I knew that the morning I was going to wake up and I was going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. So um, it definitely is easy, and um, you know I don't think I don't I don't think enough about how I could have you know asked for my help or asked for my teammate's help. Like we, I know my freshman year, the second semester, so we were in we're obviously in, sp- uh, in season in the spring, but we had a dry season, mm-hmm. and I was like down bad, like I. I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, like, freaking out. I had eventually, at that point, like, become pretty dependent on it. Um, and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm. we were constantly traveling. Like, I just, I was miserable all the time. There was that social aspect had been taken away. Um, so, I don't know. I definitely would say, too, there's so many other options. There's so many other avenues. Whatever it is, whether it's finding that positive... Um, space, you know, in the weight room or just on the field somewhere, on the ice, wherever it is, um, to try to find that positive feeling that's not alcohol or any substance at all, for that matter.
0: Yeah, and there are a ton of resources too, like, there's therapy offices I'm pretty sure right, like yeah. right next door in oh, Cutler yeah. and like we would pass by it every single day and I didn't really have any idea yeah. but like there are resources out there for you um, and obviously with mental health being on the forefront of a lot of conversations right now it's good that it's being more I guess um, I guess out there that there mm-hmm. are these resources on you know work college campuses so um, for those listening if you are going through a tough time I mean there are the resources out there you found some yeah. that are like super in depth yeah. and helped you out immensely oh, yeah. so They are there and, um, yeah, definitely utilize them. And as far as like how you are now and, you know, going to therapy, experiencing the things you've experienced, just kind of how, you know, your mindset is right now and all the things that you've learned that are, you know, are helping you on a day-to-day basis kind of cope and deal with all this.
1: Yeah, I am constantly, every single day, um, and I mean that like wholeheartedly, I'm learning stuff every single day. I actually today was like, can I even get up and go to this? <laughs> um, I don't know why, but the past couple of days I've been like struggling a little bit. And I was like, you know what, Kyle, like this is part of why you're doing this, right? To get up and, and to come on here and, you know, explain that, no, I didn't have the greatest day today. Like we had an off day today. They gave us an off day. Um, I didn't go to any of my classes. I emailed my professors and I said, look, I'm sorry. I can't come today. I'm struggling a little bit. Um... I was like, you know what, like, I gotta go to this, I gotta speak my mind, and I have to let people know that, um, yeah, you know, I went, I got, you know, all these diagnoses sophomore year, and I started getting help sophomore year, but, you know, it's two years later, and I still have days that, like, I struggle to get out of bed, or I literally just woke up for a game, (laughs) because I was taking a nap, um, so yeah, I'm constantly learning stuff every single day, and it's, it's a constant process, and, um, although I've, I've come a really, really far way, I still have a lot of work to do, right, so, you know, our journeys are constant and you're constantly learning. And um and that's one of the biggest things that's kind of comforting and yet kind of scary at the same time, because you know, we're constantly adapting, constantly evolving as people and especially as athletes. So, um, in the stuff that I've learned, honestly, I like I said, I I was never a vulnerable person. I always perceived, you know, me being down or me struggling with things is like kind of like a weakness, right? And I think a lot of us as athletes kind of have that persona or think that, you know, we're struggling, whether it's putting up weight or we're struggling at the plate or struggling wherever, it's like this thing of weakness, right? And I've really found a lot of power, believe it or not, uh, in being vulnerable. And my mom has always preached to me, you know, if you never deal with your demons, like they're still gonna be there when you wake up in the morning. and. Um, one of the most powerful things that like a human can do is is really kind of deal with their shit, right? So like dealing with the things that really really tear you down, or um, although they be absolutely traumatic, they kind of make you who you are. So that kind of goes back to me talking about the the thing of you know me wanting to talk about this stuff because I think it becomes more factual and less traumatic. Yeah. So um, I've definitely learned a lot about ways that I can work through stuff or just how my brain kind of works and how other people can help me and how I can figure out um, what the best way to go through things is. Um, I'm trying to think of some like specifics, but um, I don't know. I used to color a lot. I know that sounds kind of corny, but I colored a lot. Um, my brain kind of, when I get in that like kind of manic state, like my brain mm-hmm. just goes, right? So something that kind of makes me dial in and really get down to um, just like base level down to earth, like, okay, like I'm going to color and put some music on. I know on the field, I've really tried to, I've tried, like, I swear everything possible, but some of the things that I know, like going up to bat that have really helped me is I do this thing, it's called tapping. Um, and it literally just consists of like, there's like a couple different spots in your body that you tap. Um, and as you go through it, you, you say affirmations, right? So I say a lot of like, you know, I'm confident in my abilities and you know I will, um, I'll hit the ball consistently and things like that. So, uh, it's definitely taken time to kind of not perfect. Cause like I said, it's still a work in progress. Um, but get, uh, a feel for what works best for me. Right. And it's so important to remember that what may work great for me, like may not work great for you or, or the next person or whoever it is. Right. So all of us are different in our each known ways. Um, and it takes a lot of time, right? So being patient with yourself and understanding that it really is a journey and you kind of have to run it like a marathon and not a sprint mm-hmm. because, you know, you think you're great, you think you're fine, and then the next day you wake up and you're like, wow, I'm not great, right? So it's this roller coaster. It's um, this constant. Healing is never linear, right? It's so up and down and... Um, you just really have to be patient with yourself, which is so difficult because I do not do well with patience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I am constantly like, all right, let's get it done. Let's do this now. Um, so it's taken a lot of control in, in talking to the right people and in being around the right people, right? So I've surrounded myself with bad people, and that was a big part of it, right? People who were enabling me to do things that um, I shouldn't have been doing or people who were telling me that, like, you know, you're fine, you're fine. Or, you know, you're crazy. Like you had mentioned like that whole persona that, um, because you may have been diagnosed with this mental illness or this disorder, whatever it is that you're crazy. And I used to think that for the longest time, sometimes I still do like, sometimes I'm like, why do I feel like this? Like, why do I feel like I'm a nut? Like, why, like, how can I stop feeling like this? Um, and it just is about getting back into, you know, routines and, in going back to the basics, so for me, I'm a very routine-based person, I don't really do well with change, um, so staying in a routine, whether it's, like, my nighttime routine, my weight when I get up in the morning, how I put my socks on for a game, like, just Mm -hmm. little things like that of, of giving me comfort, and that's, you got to be comfortable, right, doing all this, because it's so difficult, um, and it's, and it's really tough, and it's not easy, everything is easier said than done, um, But the biggest thing that I've learned is there's always someone who's willing to listen, right? So there's always someone who who wants to help whether you want it or not. (laughs) Um, There's always someone who will do whatever they can to just make you smile or to just listen, right? So that's such a big thing and and people just wanna be listened to and heard. Um, So finding the right people, being around the right people, doing what works best for you and being patient with yourself is definitely some stuff that I would really push for people. you know when they are down or even if you know they're not right so it's so important to stay in those in those routines and, and preach and practice the same things even when you're not in those good spots
0: yeah and it's worked out for you obviously um from coming out about you know this and being honest with yourself mm-hmm. you know on the field things have improved for you correct yeah yeah, yeah so talk about that and how why we just keep preaching the importance of all this and how you know there's a lot of positive that can come out from you know being vulnerable and you know it's going to help you out athletically anyway so you're obviously proof in the pudding for that so talk about that
1: (laughs) yeah so I um it was really tough for me originally to buy into like the culture that my team had created right so and of course like culture pretty much it it changes every year I I would say just a little bit you know what I mean You're, you're a group is leaving another group is coming in and Um, different plans and whatnot. So it took a lot for me to kind of really buy into the culture that we had as a team. And it was this, I think my freshman year, it was about like one, like us being one. And I never fully understood the concept of like why my actions as one person, you know, do affect these 20 of the girls who I'm with and they affect my coaches and they affect everyone around me. Um, So once I kind of figured that part out that I was like, wow, like I am part of this, you know, cohesive unit, and and though I may be one person, I do hold such an effect on all of them, positive and negatively. Um, So, on the field, I remember, gosh, I was hitting in the one spot, we were playing, I think, Stony Brook, and, or maybe it was Albany, either one, Uh, sort of our last home series, and I hit, like, my first career home run, and everyone was so excited. Just to watch like the video of it again and just kind of see everybody like so shocked but so excited and happy for me. Um, literally brings me to tears like every time. <laughs> um, and I remember after that, coach pulled me aside and I was like, oh man, like he's gonna congratulate me. And he was like, listen, great home run and all, but like you gotta get your grades up otherwise I can't keep playing you. So um, I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> so um it has been really, really difficult to one, like worry about my grades, worry about how I'm affecting my teammates and in putting that all into the way that I play. So, um, obviously softball is a team sport and everybody works, you know, together and stuff like that. So when one part of that unit isn't working, um, it, it just ultimately tears it down, I would say. So, I realized, like, okay, I really have to do this more for my teammates on the field, um, and really give all that I can give in, you know, on my worst days. So Coach Cooch used to talk a lot about, um, like, you know, if you only have sixty percent today, give one hundred percent of that sixty percent. Um, we talked a lot about like faking it till you make it, right? And that was super hard for me because I was like, I'm miserable right now. Like, how am I gonna come here and and be so excited and cheer my teammates on, whatever? So just finding ways that I could do that definitely changed my, my way of play. So um, I tried to, again, reinforce that positive outlet for myself. So um, definitely going in, working hard, um, even when I wasn't in my best spot or, um, you know, voicing to my coach a lot. That was a really big one, right? So just making him aware of days that I was struggling um, making him aware of times where i knew that i just didn't have a lot in me um and being confident i guess in just my abilities is a really really big one um so i don't know i think that obviously right we all come here because we're great right in and, and, and as an athlete you want to improve you want to get better and stuff and for me at one point like i didn't even care about the numbers right so like you want to hit you know 300 and up or you want to Um, you know hit at least 960 or field 960 in the field or whatever it is but um, for me it became a lot about just staying in my routine and doing what I was committed to and staying on track right so we talk a lot about like trusting the process and for me that that contributed largely to um, you know any success or like any um, I guess improvement on my play on the field so um, I strayed a little bit away for a little bit of time, uh, less about mechanics and more just about routines and in how I bounce back from stuff. So, um, you know whether it's I do like the tapping routine or whether I um, you know take a walk outside the dugout for a second or how I you know prepare for an at bat, stuff like that. So I would say it really was less about the mechanics and, and it had essentially nothing to do with that, but. Just more about finding different ways that um, I could deal with things and how I worked around it, how my teammates could help me um, and and honestly, like I said, as with everything, it's different for everyone right so um some days it worked better than others, and some days I was like, "Oh, like this sucks, like this isn't working, I got to switch it up, but the consistency was was honestly key, so
0: yeah,, and I like when you said about uh kind of just what with your experience with being on a team and how when one, you know, member of the team isn't really kind of holding up their end of the bargain, it kind of can affect the whole team. And, um, you yeah, know, that's why it's important just to kind of be able to buy in. Find what works for you. Like you keep reiterating, I think that's the most important thing. So I'm happy they are able to say that because um, when you compare yourself to other people and what they do, it might work for them, but yeah. it's probably not going to work. for you. It may, but the right. chances are it probably won't. And right. um, I think we all mm-hmm. often find ourselves looking at other people for what they do for success. But I think right. you just kind of you know, look internally and see what makes you tick and what's going to work for you. And um, no, this has been awesome. And I really appreciate you taking the time out yeah. to come here and talk about this and be vulnerable. I know it's not easy, but like, I, you know, like we both keep saying, it's going to help out people who are going through the same thing. Yeah. And um, just kind of how I like to end it, just one piece of advice that you would give to maybe your younger self or someone who is in your same position that you were in, a few years back, kind of going through the same things or maybe someone who's in the same spot as you right now. Whatever the case is, just a piece of advice that maybe you would have wanted to know Mm -hmm. or that you'd want to pass on to the next person.
1: Yeah, ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Okay, Um, I think my first initial thought um, was really just to, um, it sounds so cliche and really corny, but to just be so confident in your abilities, right? So, So many times I... I didn't think that I could do it. Like I didn't think that I could spend another day here. I didn't think that I could play another day of softball. I didn't think that I could belong to a team and or I could, um, you know, stop drinking or stop taking pills. Like there's so many days that I thought to myself, like, I I can't. But little did I know, like there was so much power and so much strength in in being able to overcome that. So you truly, truly don't know like your your limits, right? So there's so much potential. There's so much to be had. Um, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, on the field, off the field. Um, so to just just keep working for your bigger self and um, to just really believe in, in what can be, right? So having that overall, like like I said, I knew who I wanted to be. I knew um, this overall, like, okay, this is what I want from her. This is what I, I see in her. Um, so after you kind of figure that out, and again, it takes time and whatnot, but just trusting in that, believing in it. Um, and giving it your all in the days when you can, like I said, giving that, you know, if you only have 60, give 100 of that 60, Um, and it differs from day to day, but um, everyone, everyone has people who listen, right, student-athletes, like, these are the, this is probably the most resource I'm ever going to have, right, Mm. so I had my trainers, I had my teammates, um, I had so many people who were willing to help me, little did I know, um, that it eventually would, would play such a big role in my healing, and just being vulnerable, and Um, being open to new things and difficult things have really played, like, a key role in my success, and um, like I said, every day is still tough, right, so I struggle still, Um, and and that's what it is, you're going to still struggle, and it's still going to have tough days, but finding the consistency and just finding what works for you and and being confident in that and being confident in yourself um, are probably my best pieces of advice. Yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome, um, and again, I really do appreciate you coming on and Thank talking you for about this. And me. No, it was a pleasure. Exciting. I know it's not easy, but it's um, it's going to help a lot of people, and yeah. I hope it helps you as well. And yeah, of this course. has just been an awesome conversation, yeah. first live in in person one. I so know, it was
1: crazy, yeah, a lot of
0: fun. So if <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, also if you want to just drop your social medias, people can follow you on Instagram yes. or whatever the case is. So cool. Okay, yep.
1: so honestly, like, just kind of my name. Um, so Kai you know, Um pretty much on everything every platform don't follow me on TikTok it might be a bad thing <laughs> um but yeah everything I, I wanted um I post a bunch of like informational and like educational stuff all the time my story <laughs> so cool. um yeah anyways thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it it wasn't easy but I'm, I'm glad that I was able to come out here and and speak a little bit on my story
0: yeah no oh, this is so, a great conversation yeah. so thank you so much no.